This is the best of the Good Advice Podcast, the top 10 best episodes from the last four years of the Good Advice Podcast. Thank you guys for tuning into the podcast, and I hope you enjoy this episode. And don't forget, you can catch our weekly episodes on the Good Advice Podcast on any platform you listen to the show, as well as on our YouTube and LinkedIn pages. Hey, welcome back to another episode of the Good Advice Podcast. We're going to be talking about money today. In fact, we're going to be talking about how do you take your business, you know, they call it the next level, but we're really, we're talking about how do we add a zero to your business revenue and really find those high paying customers, you know, wherever you are in your business, maybe you've been thinking about, okay, I found something that works but I don't really know how to take this to the next level. I don't really know how to get those customers who ultimately make my life more flexible, easier, and where I can ultimately make the choices and decisions that I want to, to live the life that I want to have. We're going to be talking about that today. On the show today, we have Chris Kinney, who he's a high ticket sales mastery mentor. You can find out more at Chris excuse me, chriskennycoaching.com. And he's on the show to share some of his wisdom and insight with us today. Chris, it's so great to have you here. Welcome. Uh, It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Of course. Now, uh, your backdrop looks a lot nicer than mine. I have just my brand behind me. It looks like you're in a beautiful, sunny, amazing area. Uh, How's it going? Oh, it's going well. I actually live in balmy Rochester, New York. Um, we're fortunate enough to live, uh, we're, we're tucked in between two golf holes, you know, at a, at a private country club. And, uh, so we're surrounded by trees and, you know, it's actually a little cloudy out today, but you know, we're, we're just, we're, we're nestled in, you know, into the trees and we love that. And we're really fortunate. Well, Chris, tell us a little bit about, uh, what you do for a living. Yeah, my gosh, Chris Kenny coaching our, our, like our signature program is we have something called high ticket sales mastery mentorship. And what that is primarily is a place where service-based entrepreneurs come on in and they want to learn, you know, how to massively scale their business with ease through learning the art of the high ticket sale. So we're teaching people how to close programs, you know, that are five figures, you know, 10,000, 25,000, 50,000. We have clients that have closed at 100,000, 200,000, that kind of thing. So um, it's kind of like people coming in and, and having a, a product, a service or program that maybe they're selling it for a few thousand dollars. And they come in and they say, wow, you know, I'd like to have like a boutique business model, which means I would like to have, you know, a high revenue, but I, I don't want to have like a, a crap ton of clients. So when people want a boutique style business, they'll usually hire our company to teach them how do you reposition your programs? How do you repackage your programs? And then how do you sell your programs, you know, for the higher ticket prices so that you can, you can actually bring in that revenue, increase the profit margin but not leave yourself overwhelmed and stressed because you have, you know, hundreds of clients that you're dealing with. So Chris, I think some of my listeners, I would venture to guess a few of them, they're hearing you talk about these kinds of sales in terms of 10,000, 20,000, even $100,000. And I'd say a few of them are probably like, oh yeah, like that's, that's something that I love to do. I would venture to guess that most of my listeners are thinking you're crazy. There, there is no way that I could send an invoice to a customer that has five figures on it, even six figures on it. Talk to me a little bit more about 
about why is it so challenging for the service-based entrepreneur to elevate their thinking to really play in the same field as other people who are selling their products and services for that kind of dollar? Well, I mean, it's hard because, you know, we all, you know, come in with a belief system, right? So we have a belief system. We have a belief system around money. Uh, We have a belief system around what we're worth, you know, our value. You know, I always tell people your price is your statement to the world around your competence and your skill set. Your price is your statement to the world around your competence and your skill set. So, so, you know, if somebody's massively undercharging, when you look at the, primarily the coaching and, and consulting industry, when people come in, most people are massively undercharging because they people have a really hard time valuing their own genius because it's theirs. You know what I mean? It's like this whole thing, like this mm-hmm. thing here that I do is easy for me. It's mundane. And because it's easy for me. I'm going to undercharge for it because it's, it's simple. They, there's an assumption that, oh my gosh, this is easy for me. It must be easy for other people. So therefore, because it's easy, it doesn't have that high of a value. But then that's a really dangerous thinking pattern because if you say, um, this thing is easy for me, so I'm going to undercharge for it. When, when they come across things that are hard, say somebody wants to hire them to do something in their business or help them with some particular thing that maybe is a little bit challenging for them, it's like this project is a little bit harder, right? So here's what happens. The mindset then is, well, because this is hard for me, there must be somebody else that's better at it than I am. So for that reason, I'm also going to (laughs) undercharge. So you end up undercharging no matter what. You're undercharging because it's simple. You're undercharging because it's hard. So the mindset that people have have to really come in with is charge the most for what comes easiest to you. And, you know, that's, it seems counterproductive because, we're kind of brought up, you know, we're kind of societally programmed to believe that we have to work hard for the money. You've got to work really, really hard for the money. So when we're, when we're, we're when we're pitching something, you know, a project that is somewhat simple for us and, and to ask for a high ticket seems completely, you know, out of, out of the, the level of the program that programming that we've received in that area of, Oh, it has to be hard if it's going to be expensive. So that, that's why it's difficult. Talk to me a little bit about, like, I know your background. I was, bit, I was reading a little bit about your bio, and I know you grew up in a lifestyle that people wouldn't call wealthy. Uh, you grew up in an impoverished no. neighborhood, you know, no doubt shaped your perspective on money. Um, I know for me personally, when I started working, I was working for this large consulting firm, and we were sending those $100,000 invoices, and it, it totally changed my perspective on money because I had never... I don't, I don't think I'd ever even had more than like a thousand bucks in my checking account. So mm. like for people who are listening, how can they change their perspective on money? And, you know, you mentioned, I love the phrasing you use of, you know, we think it has to be hard. And I think about that person who's listening, who maybe they're working that 60 to 80 hour week thinking, you know, I have to grind year after year after year. And then maybe five, six, seven years from now, I can finally pay for, you know, that house that I want, or I can finally pay for that car that I want. Because I think you're right. We do think very long-term on acquiring money. Uh, help my listeners think about this differently and sort of change their perspective. Well, the thing about money, you know, for me, the thing that I had to learn is, you know, I was brought up to believe because, yes, I was in an incredibly impoverished, impoverished neighborhood. I grew up actually, it was in a drug house. So we didn't have money. Mom was on welfare. You know, she was selling drugs, all that kind of stuff. Wow. And um, 
I was, you know, taught that rich people were arrogant and rich people can't be trusted. And, you know, I had all of this, you know, negative programming around, around money and acquisition of money. And what I've learned about it is that money makes you more of what you already are. Hmm. Money makes you more of what you already are. Meaning if you're a jerk, well, money's going to make you a bigger jerk. Um, but if you're loyal and if you're um, dedicated and you're generous, when you have more money, well, guess what? You're going to be more of, you're going to be more of that. The other thing is I, I really lean on um, a universal law, and that's the, the law of polarity. And what the law of polarity says is everything in the universe has an opposite, and it exists at the same time. Everything in the universe has an opposite, and it exists at the same time. So that means you can't have left without also having right. You can't have in without out. You can't have hot without cold. Nothing's cold unless it has hot to compare it to. You know, nothing's left unless we have right to compare it to. So if you think about all that, what does that also mean? Well, it also means that you can't have problem without solution. Hmm. You can't have problem without solution. Every problem that gets presented to us brings with it the solution. And that includes money. So when you, if you believe that law, if you can wrap your head around that universal truth, that every problem that's presented to us in the universe brings with it the solution, we end up left in this place where we go, okay, if that's true, if every problem brings the solution, why do I still have problems? Well, the reason we still have problems is because we resist solutions when they show up, oftentimes, right? Something will show up, like it could be a program that somebody's selling, it could be an opportunity to get some mentorship or something along those lines. And then that, that opportunity shows up for us, but because we're using all of our preconditioned programming from before around money, we don't allow ourselves to step into that opportunity, right? So here's what's happened. The solution has shown up in your experience, but because of the preconditioned programming, you don't take the leap. You don't take the step. So it's remembering that the reason problems are still here is because we're in some level of resistance around the solution. And it's like one of the most important things that I had to, to learn was the thing that, that, that will radically move me forward is making decisions not based on where I am, but making decisions based on where I want to be. So if we continue to make decisions based on where we are, we stay where we are. So we have to like elevate our thinking and say, like, if we want to become a seven-figure entrepreneur, for example, we have to start asking ourselves, what would a seven-figure entrepreneur do now? In this situation, how would a seven-figure entrepreneur think? Would a seven-figure entrepreneur step into this or would a seven-figure entrepreneur pass this up? Like, and start to bring that thinking in. Um, so, but again, that, that whole concept of make the decision not based on where you are, make it based on where you want to be is, I think it's an absolute pivotal thing. And when people come to me in business and they say, Chris, what do I do? What do I do? I think they're asking the wrong question. The question you need to ask is, what am I currently resisting doing? What am I currently resisting doing? Because wherever your resistance is, is usually where the action needs to be taken because the universe is always bringing us what we need to get to the next level. So there's a few belief systems. It's the belief that the universe is always bringing us what we need. That's, that's like super, super, super important. The other belief is every problem has a solution. So whenever I'm stuck, I'm going, where am I resisting and what am I resisting? And then I'm looking at that resistance and then maybe I'm resisting hiring somebody or I'm resisting, you know, shifting my business model, or maybe I'm resisting a rebrand, or maybe I'm resisting creating this new program that I've always really wanted to create. I know that my next step 
is always going to be to do the thing that I'm currently resisting doing. I, I so appreciate this concept of there is an answer to the problem you're facing in your business. It feels like what you're talking about, this, this it has an incredibly um, important pairing with being self-aware and realizing you know, why am I not stepping into that? Because uh, it almost seems like often when we have problems in business, many times, and I have even felt this way for my own business, where it's like, I just don't know what to do. The answer is actually incredibly simple, or it's it's right there in front of you. But that resistance is, well, it can't be that easy. You know, well, it can't, you know, that can't be the answer. How do you help people that you work with become more self-aware? You know, obviously that I, I think your work's so important where you're actually sitting down and you're sort of helping people see what they need to see. But for the person who's who's they're listening to this podcast and maybe they're driving, they're looking in the rearview mirror and they're seeing themselves, or they're at home and they're looking in the mirror and they're thinking, okay, how well does this line up with me? How do you help people sort of elevate their thinking and realize things like, oh, I have a negative perception of money? Oh, I am making things more complicated than they have to be. Oh, I have a fear-based mindset on decisions. How can someone become more self-aware in this process? Um, geez, I think you have to start. Like I said, for me, it comes down to resistance. I'm always looking at, hey, what am I resisting? What am I resisting? What am I resisting? Um, you can ask yourself things like, um, am I thinking forward here? Or am I basing this on you know pre-existing programming? I know these are these are deep questions. These are like it's, you know, if you want to really look at this, <laughs> how am I programmed? Yeah, but it's, you know, it's, it's, it's hard it's to so important though, right? Like your how your upbringing, all of this stuff is shaping your perspective, and so you know I think digging into that, even though it is like you know who am I and how do I fit? These are important questions. Yeah, it's 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 super important, and you've got to look at all right, what is it that I want? You know, I want this. You know, this is the thing that I that I really, really want. And is this decision that I'm making, is it based on me being there? You see what I'm saying? That's the, that's the hard thing. And it's like, it's being willing to like totally embrace the fact that you're going to have to make uncomfortable decisions and you're going to have to do things that feel counterproductive. And that's, that's what's really, really difficult because we have to remember that the thinking that brought us here is not the thinking that will bring us there. So when, when you're stepping into these things, like if everything is feeling comfortable, and everything is feeling status quo, then you're probably not doing the right things because you're not, you're not stepping forward. You're not stepping into that area that you're unfamiliar with, which is where you have to be. You have to be willing to step in that. It's like a consistent moving forward in faith mm-hmm. because here's the thing. I, and I always have people like if, if, if what you want is this elevation in, in, your, in your revenue, you have to look at what's been showing up in your experience. Because again, the universe is bringing it to you. So you have to be hypersensitive. Like if you're looking in the mirror and going, what, you know, what is it? What are the things? What are the opportunities? What are the thoughts that you have? Like, like when you're sitting and you go, oh, I'd really like to do that. And then you go, no, no, no. Those are the ones. Those are the ones that you have to step into. Because those are, those are the ones that, un, that, that unlock the door and actually let you in. So I'm always paying attention to, okay, this is what I want. What has the universe been presenting to me? And is there anything that's been presented that I'm currently in a high level of resistance to? How often do you find yourself talking to people about um, even like their support network, like the people who are around them? Because I, I, I feel like a lot of times it's, 
it's who you surround yourself with, who's sort of reaffirming these beliefs and these thoughts. And, you know, being an entrepreneur, it's a tough gig. It's, it's, it's definitely one of the hardest things I've ever done. Uh, and it's a grueling process that's, you know, I don't, I don't know if we have enough fuel in our tank to do it alone. How often do you find yourself talking to people about who they surround themselves with and the kind of messaging that is getting reinforced with them? Environment is super, super, super important. I mean, it's my gosh, it's like, if I, for example, like if I'm coaching a person and, you know, we're starting to, to make some progress, but then they have a spouse that's completely not supportive, you know, it's like everything that gets done just yeah. gets completely undone as fast as you're doing it. So it's like you, you have to find groups, you have to find networks, um, Facebook groups, places where you can interact and connect with like-minded people, people who have big visions, people who have big goals and stop being the smartest person in the room. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't want to be the smartest person in the room. I've got a team of six people and I've got people on my team that are smarter than I am. And they're on my team because they're smarter than I am because they, they have particular areas and particular expertise that they're, they're just far superior that, to me in, in those particular areas. So in terms of environment, I, I mean, gosh, it's, it's just super, super, super important. Mm -hmm. So if you're not in those environments, you start to look for them. Where is it that you can go in order to enter? Like where in your area are entrepreneurs hanging out? Get into entrepreneurial networks and um, try to find areas where high net worth people hang out and, and go put yourselves in, in those areas. And don't be intimidated because, you know, one of that, that's one of the things that happens is when you, when you hit like seven figures or multi-seven figures, people, you know, People think that a multi-seven-figure business owner, you know, might not want to talk to somebody that's just starting out, or they feel like they're not worthy, or they can't hang, or whatever. I'm sitting here. I'm a multi-seven-figure entrepreneur. I love telling my story. I love talking and giving advice to people that are just starting and coming up. And I love having a business conversation with a person who's talking about X, Y, Z in their business. It's like, don't don't not show up in those groups because you don't feel big enough. Mm. You're, you're so welcome in, in, in that space. And it's, oh my gosh. Yeah. It's so important environment. Well, we were talking a lot about um, sort of the mental game of, of sales and growing your business and taking it, you know, really building the momentum of your business. Let's talk a little bit more tangible, tangible and a little bit more practical. I'm thinking of the, the brand new entrepreneur who's never sold anything before, but they have sort of an insight into their own genius. They're like, okay, I think, I think I'm good at this. I think I could sell this. I think I can make a business out of it. And so they listen to a podcast like this one or, or what have you. And they, they get the concept of sort of knowing your worth, charging what your value is, you know, all that stuff. And so they get out there and they say, yep, I'm going to um, you know, be a consultant or a coach. And you get the first salesperson on the phone and you say, or the first potential client, and you say, yep, it costs $10,000. And the person's like, what? what are, you, are you nuts? <laughs> you know, obviously you have customers who just, they aren't your customer. You know, I remember one of my first potential customers. It was a guy who didn't have a cell phone. He didn't have a laptop. He didn't have a car. And I was thinking, why am I even on the phone with this guy? But it feels like sometimes there's this disconnect between, okay, I want to sell my worth, but I don't know if I have the sales acumen to actually convince that person that this $5,000, $6,000, $10,000 answer is the answer that they need. So give us a little bit of insight on sort of bridging that disconnect between, okay, I know my value. Now, how do I actually close the deal? 
with someone? Yeah. So the first thing is make sure that we don't go into any convincing energy. So if we're, if we're convincing in an enrollment conversation, we're going about it the wrong way. The, the, the most important skill set is essentially learning how to ask questions that cause people to convince themselves. Learning okay, how so, to ask questions that yeah. cause people to convince themselves. So what's, what was the first thing that you just said? Convincing language, uh, avoiding... Yeah, try to stay out of energy of trying to convince someone. And is that, in other like, words, what does that look like in a conversation? Uh, it would look like um, you really should do this because it'll really okay. change your business. You yeah. really should do this because it'll really change your life. I've, I've heard some sales, salespeople say, you know, well, don't you want, the, you know, don't you want to um, framing it that way? Okay, this is interesting. So avoiding that kind of language and instead helping the person sort of discover it themselves. And then I, I cut you off. I apologize. So yeah, no, no worries. What you're saying. So like, for example, if somebody says to me, Chris, you know, what, what would, what would, what can my expected outcomes be from your coaching services? If somebody asked me that in a sales conversation, they said, Chris, what would my expected outcomes be? What I would say is, look, I can sit here and I can tell you what I expect would happen. I can tell you what I think would happen. You'd multiply your revenue, blah, 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 blah. I can tell you all that stuff, but you know what, what I think actually doesn't matter. What really matters is based on what you've seen about me, based on the interactions that you've had with me and what you've seen of me, if you and I were to spend 12 months together coaching, what do you think would happen? Hmm. Now they go, okay, what do I think would happen? Well, I think this would happen. I think this would happen. I think this would happen. They are now articulating to you your value. They are now articulating to you the outcome that they, ex- that they, that they would expect and they see happening for them. The difference here, Blake, is people don't argue with what they said. (laughs) Yeah, I love that. People don't argue with what they said. They'll argue all day with what you said, but they will not argue with what they said. So the skill set is asking questions. That's what it is. And you have to ask powerful questions that cause people to convince themselves. So it's like asking a question like, you know, if you're a business coach, if you ask ask the question, fast forward six months, you don't hire me. Fast forward six months, what's likely going to be taking place in your business? Mm-hmm. All right. They tell you. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, here's the thing. We, 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 maybe you put a six-month container in front of them and you basically say, we work together for six months. What do you think is going to happen for you? If you're working with me, what will likely take place? And then they start to articulate that. So now what you're doing is you're establishing a gap, a gap in their mind, a gap between where they currently are and where they see themselves if they were to hire you. Mm-hmm. And the cool thing is the gap has been established by them, not by you, not by you saying, hey, if you hire me, you'll, you'll make an extra 200000 next year. But if you ask, hey, if you hire me for this, the next 12 months, what do you think will take place? If they say, well, I think I'd probably make another two hundred or $300,000, if that's the answer they give you, even if they said, I'll make another 50000 whatever it is, I'll make another 20000 you know what I mean? If you have a $5,000 product and somebody just said to you that that $5,000 product will likely earn them another 20,000, you know, in the next year. And then you say, well, do you think you'd be able to earn that 20,000 the following year too? And they say, yes. And then you say, okay, well, if it's 20,000 a year, you know, what's the value of that for the next five years? Oh my God, that's a hundred thousand dollars. So basically what, and then I would feed it back to them. I would say, so what you're saying is if you were to hire me, in the next five years, you would see an additional 100,000. Is that correct? Is that what you're saying? They go, yes. 
Now, they have told you that your service or product or widget or whatever it is will bring them an additional 100000 If you quote them $10,000 for that widget, what you've done now is you've set up comparison. So I hope everybody writes this down. If you're in a place where you can write this down, write it down. Price is only expensive because it's being compared to something else. Price is only expensive because it's being compared to something else. So the skill set that you have to master when you're in enrollment conversations is what are people comparing me to? What are people comparing me to? If you're having a big enough conversation and you're getting to something that I call, it's called the X number. So the X number is the expected, if it's a revenue thing, a dollar thing, if your product, service, or program can increase revenue for people, it's getting them to say to you what their expected increase in revenue would be from your work. Having that come out of their mouth, not out of yours, <laughs> out of theirs. And then you can take that. So say they say it's 100,000. You say, well, what's the value of that over the next five years? Okay, well, that's 500,000. Okay, here's my program. It's $50,000. They're now comparing the 50 to the 500. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And now you have a chance to actually have a high ticket conversion. Now there's other things. You have to establish trust. You know, your brand has to be aligned with it. You have to look like a high ticket brand. So we can get into all of that too. But just in an enrollment, you have to create that gap between where they are and where they want to be. They have to see you as the person that can help them navigate through that gap. And they can, they can tell you that if you ask the questions, right? And the, the difference that they see that's available to them has to come out of their mouth, not yours. And that also happens through questions. I hope that answers that, Blake. Is that totally. some good examples? Oh, it's incredible. And it's great advice. And I think everyone listening needs to go back and listen to this again. Um, <laughs> excuse me. One of the things I like about your perspective is it takes so much of the pressure off you as the salesperson, because now you're sort of just connecting the dots for them and being really good at asking questions. And it feels like a lot of new salespeople, it's like the deer in the headlights where like you get on the phone call with someone and the, the potential client says, well, how do you think you can help me? And you're thinking, oh crap, I have you know 30 seconds. I have a minute to tell this person all the things that are amazing about me and all the amazing things I can do for them. And so you sort of just word vomit you know, over the phone or in person to them and sort of just hope, you know, was it enough to convince them to go farther in this conversation? You're talking about essentially taking that pressure off yourself, not that you're any less credible or not any less able to answer questions, but being really good at helping them understand where they want to take their business and how you can help with that whole process. It's a bit different. And it, it like I said, it takes a lot of pressure off you as the salesperson. Yeah, completely. It's a it's a completely it's a completely different approach because there's no pushing. There's no there's no I have to convince. There's no there's no ickiness. It doesn't feel icky. It doesn't feel sleazy. It doesn't feel pushy. You know, you have to remember uh, one of the key concepts is people don't buy because they understand you. People buy because they feel like you understand them. Hmm. People don't buy because they understand you. They buy because they feel like you understand them. I always tell people that the thing that they're purchasing is not the bullet points of the program that you're offering. They're purchasing the perception that you understand their problem or challenge better than anyone else. So if you work during your sales calls to understand them, seek to understand, not to be understood You'll make it a lot further. And I'll, I'll tell a quick story about this. The first mentor I hired, I started my business back in 2008. And I took my first like big leap of faith 
early on. I didn't have the money, but I did. I hired a coach for $75,000, right? Big ticket. All I had was the down payment. It was a big risk, right? And I remember being in that program and he coached me to raise my rates. He said, I want you to take your rates up to $15,000 for six months of coaching. And at that time, it was $2,400, right? That was massive, (laughs) right? So when he told me that, he said, you know, just go ahead and raise it up. And I'm like, wait a second, I can't just raise it. I have to add all these bullet points. Yeah. You know, if you're going to pay 15,000, you need this and you need this and you need this and you need this. And he said, no, you don't need that. And I'm like, yes, you do. He said, no, you don't. We went back and forth. Then he said to me, he said, Chris, you're in my summit program because that's what his program was called. It was called the summit. And he said, you paid 75,000. You're paying 75,000. I said, yeah. He said, what's in the program? (laughs) And I went, oh my God, I don't know. (laughs) Like I did not know the details of what was in the program. I knew I had coaching calls with him every other week, but I couldn't tell you all of the things that were in the program. And it was such an eye-opening experience for me because it made me realize and made me realize what he was teaching me was actually true. I didn't buy the bullet points. I bought the perception. This person understands my problem or challenge better than anyone else. This person gets me. And this person has done what it is that I want to do. That's the other thing that I look for when I'm making a purchase. If I'm going to purchase, if I want somebody to teach me how to build a seven-figure business, I'm not going to hire somebody that's not a seven-figure business. It's an incredible concept. And it, it, I mean, Chris, you have to get, I'm assuming you must get tired of, you're, what you're saying makes so much sense. And yet it's, it's a bit counter to what I see happening in today's culture. I mean, I was on a sales call with someone the other day who um, did not do this well. And essentially I said, Hey, I'm not interested. Sorry. And he said, are you kidding me? I'm a 20 year veteran in my industry and started, you know, naming off all these accolades. And I thought, okay, you clearly have no idea how to do sales. And I see, I see this kind of dialogue a lot on social media that is very icky. It is very kind of grimy, pushy, and it's not so much this commitment to deeply understand the customer and their problem and how you can solve it. But instead this um, it's kind of like this wolf on wall street esque type approach. I mean, does, <laughs> does it not drive you crazy to just see this kind of stuff happening on social media on a constant basis? I mean, it's, yeah, it's, it's super unfortunate. Um, and the, the thing that's frustrating is it, 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 it gets conditioned into people, you know, pe- people see that. And because it's like, you know, somewhat like, you know, traumatic for them, they get this imprint in their head, you know, about sales and how about how sales is and like how you have to be in order to be a really effective salesperson. And then they develop this, this horrible mindset around selling and this horrible picture. And then when I think about like how that affects, if we just look at the coaching industry, right? So many people in the coaching industry who are in the helping profession. They are in this because they want to help people and serve people. They see people like that, and then they become totally horrified to sell. Yeah, right. They they lose their ability to sell. They lose their ability to enroll clients. And then all of these people that are in the world to help end up out of business. Wow. (laughs) So that is one of the reasons why I'm doing this. I do this because, I mean, that's like one of my... One of my missions is to change the world one sale at a time. 
And that's why, you know, a lot of my, a lot of people that work with me are, are different types of coaches, different types of consultants. We've got, we've got other people like copywriters, graphic designers and that kind of stuff, but it's a service-based business, but it breaks my heart that people that are so talented and so gifted with what they do, they see that kind of stuff on social media and that's how they decide what sales is. And then they decide they can't do it or they so drastically overcompensate in their selling. In other words, they see that, that guy or that lady who's just super pushy and then they're like, oh my God, I don't want to be like that. I don't want to be like that. So they'll go so far to the other side that they become completely passive, mm-hmm. com- they completely shrink in their enrollment conversations because they're massively overcompensating in the other direction to make sure they don't sound pushy. So yeah. it is, it's super frustrating. And I, I've seen that happen too firsthand. I was hiring someone, actually two different people. I was hiring a graphic designer and I said, hey, so do you think you could help me? And he goes, uh, I don't know, maybe. And I thought... Well, this was like the buying statement. Like, what do you mean? And then I had another guy who was doing some website work for me. And I said, Hey, I want to hire you. And he said, well, let's, let's make sure that I can actually help you before you hire me. And I said, Hey, you've, you've already made the sale. Like, why are you, why are you being so hesitant to take my money? Like it's in my mind, it's done. It's sold. It's I've, I've already said, yes, I want to buy. Why are we having this weird back and forth? And I think it is this very passive, um, I don't want to be that icky, pushy person that, like you said, we end up eventually losing the sale. Yeah, hundred percent true. I mean, I've I've seen it. I've I had I had a guy literally not too long ago. It was last summer. Um, we were going to put skylights in our you know above our above our kitchen table, like the you know big area. You know, put some skylights in. Guy quoted me. Uh, I think it was fifteen thousand dollars for these four lights. And uh, we, you know, we basically, we basically said yes. And uh, I went to pay him. I said, well, you know, what's the down payment? Can I, you know, do I give you a few thousand bucks or what happens? No, no, no. You know, I'll come back. I'll bring, bring by the thing. And in between that period of time, (laughs) I ended up deciding to invest in something else. We ended up, you know, you know, getting a hot tub or doing some of the bottom line is I still don't have skylights. Mm. And if that guy had just simply said, yeah, you know, let's, let's get your details and all that right. stuff. And, you know, the skylights would have been put in and he would have made the sale. But so I don't know what was going on with him in that particular moment. You know, we started deciding to, um, there's another wall just, just opposite the table. We decided we wanted to put a window there. So that's kind of been what the conversation is instead of doing the skylights, let's just put a window in. But that was a sale lost because money wasn't collected when I said yes. And this brings us back, I think, full circle to the struggling entrepreneur who's saying, oh, why can't I make any money? Why can't I make any revenue? And it does go a lot back to mindset and how you approach your business. Um, Chris, this has been a phenomenal episode. It's been so great having you on today. For people who are listening, who they're thinking two things. One of them, one group is thinking, okay, I, I just need to follow this person and soak up whatever I can. And the other group is thinking, okay, I need to hire this person. I need this person's help to up my sales game. What does that look like for both of those groups? Yeah. So if you want to actually go to the same place. So if you want to follow me, you can find me. We've got a really huge community right on Facebook. I've got a private group there. It's called sales mastery inner circle. So sales mastery inner circle on Facebook, hop on over there, put in sales mastery inner circle. As you come in, you'll have to answer like three questions We'll let you out in the group. Inside of the, that group, I do a live show every Thursday at 1 p.m. Eastern. So I do 30 minutes of teaching. And then I also do complimentary laser coaching sessions every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Those are 10 minutes each. 
We do three of those. So there's a lots of, lots of free content in there, lots of free training in there. When you get in there, you'll be welcomed by one of the concierge in the group. And the concierge in the group is a salesperson for our services. So you can hop on in there. All you have to do is say hello and they'll know and they'll find you or they'll, you know, you can, you can connect with me through the group. That's all I can say. <laughs> That's where to find me. <laughs> I love it. Chris, thanks so much for making the time to come on today and share some of your insights. All right. Thanks for having me. Hey, for our listeners, I'm going to put the link. It's facebook.com slash group slash sales mastery inner circle. It's going to be down in the episode description below. So you won't lose track of it. I'm also going to put uh, Chris's LinkedIn profile as well. And also the link to his website. Both of those again are going to be down in the episode description below. And Hey, if you've been following the podcast, you've been listening to the podcast and you enjoy the podcast, what the heck are you waiting on? Click that subscribe button so you keep getting good advice wherever you are. And don't forget, we are on Patreon. If you want to throw a couple of bucks at the podcast, even get your business talked about on the podcast, you can go to patreon.com slash good advice to find out more. Hey, appreciate all of your support. Thanks for listening and we'll catch you later. See ya.